prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is May 19th as the month ticks away, 62 days into lockdown, partial lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, social distancing uh, due to coronavirus. And looks like we're going to be coming out of it uh, pretty soon. June 1st, the gym's open and I will be able to start feeling like I'm not 62 years old anymore. Um, look at this. Jeff, Jeff Clifton just said, Superhuman Radio Live, one of the two reasons I keep Facebook. Thank you, brother. That's a very sweet thing for you to say. Um, we have a great show today. We are uh, surrounded by neurodegenerative diseases today, both central nervous system and peripheral nervous system, between people with neuropathies and fibromyalgias and all these other things, and also Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, and the list goes on and on. And these issues are rampant in society today. And there are things causing them. There's no doubt about it. But in order to discover your truth and what's causing it for you, you have to be able to assess what makes it worse and what makes it better. And we're going to give you a tool today to do that. And we're going to give you a price point that if you say no to, you just don't care. And so then we can go, we can get past that. And you, you can stop saying, gee, I wish I can get better. Because you really don't care about getting better. Because we're going to give you a price point today that you, you, no one can say no to. A deal. A deal that only is available here at Superhuman Radio. Uh, before we do that, I have to uh, give credit to my title sponsor who pays a generous amount of money to be the title sponsor of this show. Because they believe in the mission of this show. And that's Legendary Foods. Uh, if you go to eatlegendary.com and use the code SHR10, you'll save 10% off everything at the website. And that is Season Nuts. Uh, delicious, decadently delicious, but no sugar, nut butters. You'll swear you're eating sugar, but you're not. Like Elisa says, you'll swear you're cheating, but you're not. And then, of course, their Tasty Pastry, which is a Pop-Tart upgraded uh, with nine grams of protein, less than one gram of fat, three to four impact carbs, keto-friendly, low-carb friendly, and give them to your kids because they don't have to know that they're good for them. Put them in their lunchbox as soon as uh, school starts back. Um, so check them out, show them some love, uh, and appreciation for them, uh, being the major sponsor of this show. I'm going to bring my guests on now, see if I can do this with poise, like a real producer. Uh, so we're being joined today by two people who've been on my show before. The first is Bob Dennis, who, uh, Dr. Bob Dennis, who came on my show and, uh, blew the lid off of all of the misinformation that we have about PEMF. And to this day, I still get compliments about that show by people who thought they knew what PEMF did and what it didn't do. And then, of course, uh, Dr. Mark uh, Taradol, who was on my show not too long ago, talking about brain health, but from um, more of a position of recovering from workout to workout and being the best self you can. But the reality is that a lot of us may not care about brain health if we think we're doing fine. And that's where... In lies the real problem. So I want you first, uh, Dr. Tomadol, to talk about the realities of being able to assess your brain's ability to function by using your brain 
to assess its ability to function, please. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is actually something that Bob and I talk about all the time. We talked about it on our, we, we co-host a show called Grumpy Science. <laughs> of, and basically it's, uh, we're a couple of grumpy old guys and we get off on topics like this where we start talking about how people have really poor self-perception of, you know, basically using self-perception as a, as a tool for saying, how good are they? And it's a little bit like saying how good your weight loss program is going without weighing yourself or, or measuring yourself in any way. And, you know, as you get more and more old and adult and you might think you're doing fine, but you're really not because the thing you're using to measure it with is your own brain. And that's really uh, not, not really a good tool. You know, when it's uh, when it starts to fail, but, you know, you, you might feel great, you might feel great when you take opiates. But that that tool is not really uh, at top notch when you're taking opiates because, you know, it's it's basically uh, the self perceptions gone down quite a bit. Well, so. actually, and I, so I've noticed this myself. I'll be 62 next month. And I'm definitely, especially with not training for almost two months, I feel old right now. It'll come right back. I know that. But one of the things I've noticed Let's take sleep, for instance. Let's say I have two really crappy nights of sleep. So let's say this was my baseline before two crappy nights of sleep. Those two crappy nights of sleep, they end up pushing me all the way down here. Right? Right. So now I'm like down here and I feel crappy. But I only go back up after a couple good nights of of sleep, 50% of where I was before. That feels good to me. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm back to normal when I'm really not. I'm not because... Our body and our brain adjusts for the new normal. That's what it does because it wants you not to sit still and in and, 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 and place. It wants you to continue on. Bob, you're, you're nodding your head, Doc. Talk about that, please. Well, you know, sometimes physiologically, sometimes you're, you're, you're set up to detect a level of something. And sometimes you're set up to detect a change. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about how the brain is pretty good at picking up on, on short-term changes. Like, I feel better than I did yesterday. Right. But that doesn't tell you where you are on an absolute scale, right? That's what you're saying, and I, that's totally correct. Right. And so this is why in order to uh, conquer a neurodegenerative disease, you can't just go by, man, I feel great today. Oh, I felt like crap three days ago. Because, And I'm going to give an illustration, and then we're going to move past this. I've talked about this on the show so many times over the past 14 years, I, I, I can't bookmark when I've talked about it. But I've always talked about how the brain doesn't have a little brain that sees what's going on in the big brain. This is not a penis joke, by the way. And so, you know, this is, this is, this is a reality of people who wake up in the middle of the night and uh, they wake up in a panic state. And the first thought that their brain grabs onto was that event that happened yesterday in their life. They say, oh, I understand why I woke up last night. It's because of the stress of that event. Not true. 99% of the time, if you have nightmares or you have awakenings in the middle of the night where you're panicked, wide awake, adrenalated, you just came out of a hypoglycemic episode. Your brain started to panic. It's going, wow, blood sugar's dropping. How do we wake this idiot up so the adrenal glands will liberate uh, glycogen from the liver so that we can feel good again. So the, ba- the brain panic, number one. But then number two, the brain's role is to assign meaning 
and and symbiology to things because that's how we bookmark events. Oh, dogs bite. Stay away from dogs. Stoves are hot. Well, when the brain feels panic, it just assigns the most recent thing that you felt panicked about. And so you wake up and you go, oh, I must be waking up because I'm stressed out about work. No. You could have slept right through that had you not had a hypoglycemic episode. This is a perfect example in an actual situation that a lot of people will go, wow, that's what's happening to me. Because your brain doesn't have a brain watching what it does because it is the mechanism that's assessing at the same time regulating. Right. Right. We Yeah, we talk about this. Um, whirling frog syndrome is a, is a classic thing where – you have this slow, long, slow change that you really don't notice. But then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you throw a, throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, a pot of water, and uh, slowly turn up the heat, and it won't even notice that it's being boiled. It's the same thing with your brain. If you have these long-term slow changes, you can't, and you don't measure them, you can't tell that there's anything wrong. So we are in a world where there's a bumper crop of neurodegenerative diseases. You and I, uh, uh, Dr. Tomadol talked about multiple sclerosis and symptoms of spasticity in the legs, lack of feeling and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And some people aren't even being diagnosed with MS. They're just being told they have an autoimmune disorder, but so many people have these issues today and they don't think about it as a neurodegenerative disease, but in fact it is, isn't it? It is. They are. They basically are. And, it, you know, there's a lot of environmental factors, a lot of, you know, basically, uh, and there's ways to get things better. But you really, you know, when you start doing things, I've met people who tried to do different things to get their neurodegenerative disorders turned around. And they, they would try different uh, things for a couple of days. And they say, yeah, but it didn't work. They changed their diet and say, oh, that didn't work. But, it, but if they had been measuring, or sometimes when they do measure, they find out there is a slow change. And they say, oh, I actually am improving. And then they continue with whatever change that they've made in their lifestyle and uh, or treatment. And then that slow change goes in a positive fashion as well. So will the brain gauge, the device that you and Dr. Dennis have uh, pioneered here, uh, which actually allows people to sit at a table with a laptop or a desktop computer and do any time, five times a day if they choose to, what it takes hundreds of thousands of dollars of lab equipment to do, which is assess a variety of te- uh, skills, let's say, that the brain can be measured on. Will it make your brain better just by doing it? Uh, that's a little bit like saying... Uh, if you, if I want to measure how strong you are, will lifting weights tell me that? And it's like, well, okay, if you go and you lift weights, and then we have a pretty good assessment of how strong you are. But if you lift weights once a year, then every year we can tell how strong you are. If you lift weights twice a week, three times a week, you're probably going to get a little stronger. Now, there aren't any practice effects with the brain gauge, there, but you can. There's some tests you can actually get better on. Like, for example, the simple reaction time test, which uh, a lot of people do, is actually a, it's actually considered a speed drill. And it, you force yourself to do something as quickly as possible, and that actually helps improve different brain functions. It, it improves your information processing speed if you do that a lot. If you do it two, three times a week, that's going to improve your performance. 
and, you know, thinking faster is probably a good thing. You know, just being faster in general makes you, it makes your brain health better. Uh, this is something that is tried and true in, in many ath- athletics, uh, athletic venues. You know, when I trained, we did speed drills all the time. So, Dr. Dennis, so theoretically, yeah. using using the brain gauge to assess a baseline function uh, functionality of my brain on, on several different skill sets. Right. Then I can look back and see what changes I make in my life. That could be my sleep. It could be my exactly. diet. It could be whatever. And then I can go back and test again and go, oh, that helped or that didn't help. Isn't that really where the value is, Dr. Dennis? Exactly. That's the value. And so what we call it, call it a tuning curve. And so sometimes you might say, hey, you know, if I take two shots of espresso in the morning, my brain is really hopping, looks really good. I take four, uh, I feel okay, but my brain function is actually getting worse. So I want to stick, you, I want to stick with, I want to stick well, with, there's, there's, go ahead. Okay. Good. Uh, there's the other simple thing of, you know, essentially biofeedback, right? I mean, to a, to a certain extent, I mean, you're, you're doing something and you're getting feedback. So just the fact that you're closing that loop and you're getting knowledge about how you, what your actions are, whatever those things are, nutraceuticals, exercises, meditation, whatever, just the knowledge of the fact that you're headed in the right direction instills confidence or, you know, knowledge of the fact that it's not helping you let you put your energy somewhere else. So I think it's a pretty complicated uh, uh, feedback loop that we're talking about, but the point of the brain gauge is that it gives you that tool. It gives you the ability to get feedback. It would be just like if you were lifting weights and you had no idea if somebody blacked it out and you had, you know, in the dark and you were lifting weights in the dark, and you had no idea even how much weight you were lifting. It would be that much harder to train, right? I mean, just getting a visual feedback, knowing, you know, hey, I got two 45 pound plates on there and blah, blah, blah. You know, that makes a difference. And, and knowing and you having a brain gauge where you can actually say, you know, I am getting better and it is kind of fun to see my numbers get better. And, and, and it is cool to know that what I'm doing is helping me that by itself, you know, it, it at the very least, it gives you the uh, incentive to continue on, which is the number one thing you need to do when you're training. Right. I mean, it's the number one thing you need to do when you're exercising. Well, and it also so, it also so confirms, at every it level it also if you can confirm what you're doing is working. Then you have the confidence yeah. to continue on. That's the other. That's thing, my point. Yeah, you have the you have the confidence, and you feel like you got the payback. You feel like you know, hey man, you know, I I benched this amount for the first time. I got my two hundred millisecond reaction time back for the first time, and you know, 10, 20 years. I got you know, but but you got to know those things. You it it just really helps to know what your performance is. And in many areas, you can know your performance very easily by how much, how many plates you're slapping on, you know, how big the dumbbells are you're lifting, you know, timing yourself in a sprint. But getting brain function has not really been something that has been possible up until now. So this is this is a way for you to know. So I, w- I want to mention something. Why biohacking your brain without direction or feedback can actually hurt, not help you. So I've given up caffeine completely, cold turkey, almost three months ago. But two weeks ago, I didn't sleep well, and I thought, well, I've given up caffeine for three months now. I'm going to pick up a bang energy drink on the way to the studio. 
And Bang is very strong. It's got, uh, I don't know, two or 300 milligrams of caffeine anhydrous in it. It has some other uh, uh, methyl xanthines in it. So it's, it's a really, okay. So I took that drink, and this speaks to something that you talk about, uh, Dr. Tomadol, about that curve, that reaction curve, you know? So right. I took that drink, and for the first hour, I was just in the zone. Everything was working great. Yeah. But then all of yeah. a sudden, I felt kind of weird. And, and, and I can't explain how scary this happened, how, what happened. I actually called Elisa, my producer. So I had spent two hours preparing a show that morning. When I came back to look at the show, I thought, that's not the show I'm doing. I had a moment that only could be described as dementia. I looked at the show and I said, that can't be the show that I'm doing today. Wasn't I doing a different show? I spent two hours doing all the graphics and everything. I completely didn't, I didn't recognize all the work I had done for two hours. Like I, 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 and I got scared. I got, what's wrong with me? So I called Elise. I said, what show am I doing today? And she said, you're doing the da, 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 da show. I said, okay. And I hung up and I looked at it. And I thought, what's going on? It took about 20 minutes. I felt anxiety. I felt of this sense of being frozen, my brain being frozen. Now you talk about that, right? You wake up in the morning, your reaction time is slow. As you get through the day, it starts to pick up because you wake up. But if you become right. too, if you become too revved up, it gets slow again, doesn't it? Gets slow again, right? You get too revved up, and your focus gets poor. Is another thing we can measure. But you know, your focus, your inability to attend, goes down, and you get hyper aroused and you can no longer you can no longer uh, do the test so it is performance based but it gets much, much worse when you you know when it rolls off so don't so, know if it leads to dementia every time but <laughs> so so no no it was it wasn't dementia obviously but i had a scary moment where exactly what you said i became so hyper aroused that i couldn't connect recent memories and you know they always assign recent memory storage with dementia and it made me think about dementia in a different way. It's like I had enough caffeine to power a small city. Why wasn't I connecting these thoughts? Why did I look at something I spent two hours working on and not recognize it? That was a scary mm. moment for me. And that's when I realized no more caffeine. <laughs> I'm not going to do that experiment again. So Jeff Clifton says he has a EEG feedback through his muse headbands, but it varies daily. I can't get a longitudinal look. Can you talk about that as compared to um, – uh, well, well, with the brain gauge, you do get a longitudinal look. I mean, it's a basically the the big strength of the brain gauge is that it allows you to track your brain health history. And the brain gauge, what we do with the brain gauge is we deliver multiple tests, and that's one thing that's slight that's pretty different from most other methods. Is that we are testing multiple functionality. It is a performance task, but there's multiple performance tasks, and each one is connected to a different mechanism, a different feature of brain information processing. So, and then when you combine all those, that's what gives you the overall measure of brain health. And, uh, and that overall brain health can be tracked longitudinally. And that's really the most useful part is actually, and, and then you can break it down. And if you see that your scores going down, it might be just one of the scores that's driving all the others. And you can actually look at that and see, well, what, what exactly is the mechanism that's that's been influenced the most? 
So, so Ivo Sue is asking me if I think it was too much glutamate. It could have been, absolutely. But and but GABA, I've experimented with GABAs. I, I had a bad event recently with taking way too much glycine, and GABA became too predominant in my brain, and it it hurt my memory because I, my brain literally felt sluggish. <laughs> I felt tired all the time from the neck up, and I had to stop using high doses of GABA before bed. But it's it, there's a there's a fine fine line between uh, uh, the supplementation and the effect on on the memory. So. Right, right, right. A big part of the brain, like uh, to address the last question about could, why is GABA effective with anxiety? Uh, that's that's simply because uh, sometimes GABA, basically, the brain is constantly. Uh, uh, it's all about balance between excitation and inhibition. It's it's trying to achieve homeostasis and trying to achieve that balance between what cause turns things on and what turns things off. GABA plays the lead role in turning things off. And if you get hyperactive, if you're you've got too much, you know, anxiety is a, is one of the symptoms of hyperactivity in the brain. And you can either get hyperactivity from, you know, too much excitation or not enough inhibition. And, you know, GABA, uh, additional GABA will cause uh, more inhibition. So I want to, for those of you listening to the show or watching it live, listening live, if you go to the website gaugeyourbrain.com, you can actually get the brain gauge for the first time ever. This is only for my audience. For $29.95 a month, and you can cancel at any time. We, we had the deepest discount on the brain gauge. It was $150 off. But given the fact that so many people are concerned about work and income and everything else, uh, the folks at uh, Brain Gauge uh, Corticometrics have decided to do this and test it with my audience. If you think the brain gauge could help you, and I don't know anyone it can't help because we, we have people that are developing dementia in their 40s today. If they had a brain gauge that they could start tracking their brain's of, of progress, adding things in, removing things, and looking how that affects them, they could actually get on track to make progress and reverse a lot of these problems. And twenty nine ninety five a month, I mean, come on, you probably spend more than that on movies, on Netflix or... or, or uh, What's the other one? Uh, Prime Video. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com. Select the monthly plan. $29.95 a month. No long-term contract. Cancel at any time. But please, your brain is everything. If, if you are, you, you could be ripped to shreds. You could be super, super fit. But if your brain caves in before your body does, you're going to spend your time in an institution staring at a wall until you stop breathing. And this is a problem in today's society. It really, really is. You just have to look around at all the, the people that are developing dementia, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis is through the roof. These are all avoidable, but the only way you can avoid them is you have to be able to gauge how well your brain is working, change things in your environment, and then see what effect that has. That's the only way because your reality for your brain health is very different than mine. And very different than Dr. Tomadol's and very different than Dr. Dennis's. So this is an amazing opportunity. Uh, It sounds like the brain gauge is a functional tool that provides objective evidence of improvement. I would say that's true, right? I I agree. It's a functional tool. It's and it's performance based. And what that means is like, what are performance measures? It's like how fast you run a mile, how fast you can sprint how much weight you can lift. Those are all functional measures of 
of physical health. And there's really that functional measure is very, you know, very elusive to, to obtain passively, like strapping on electrodes on your head. It doesn't always tell you how well your brain is functioning. Uh, it's really what a lot of people might want. They might say, oh, you can just, you know, can we just read how well your brain's doing without you performing? But actually, you're going to have to answer the questions. It's a little bit like reading an eye chart. You have to look at a eye chart and actually read back what is on that eye chart uh, to say how well your, your eyes are functioning. And that's sort of the strength of it is it tells you functionally how well things are working. So I happen to know that I have very good reaction time. I think Dr. Dennis will get a kick out of this one, too. So when we watch TV, I, I only record shows uh, on my DVR so that I can watch what I want for the hour that I spend at night watching TV. And when I fast forward, I I, I, when I fast forward through the commercials, I watch for the TV MA or the TV 14, and I know the show is coming yeah. back on, and I hit that button. And somewhere in a in a room, the cable company sat a bunch of people and had everybody do this, and they figured out the average reaction time of the average person out there so that they wouldn't go too far into the show and have to start rewinding it. So whenever I do it, I have to watch a good 15 seconds of the commercial because I am so fast that it backs me up into the middle of the commercial before it picks up. And I figured most people probably hit that button and go, oh, great, I'm right on the money. It's exactly where the show starts. Any, any uh, ideas about that, Dr. Dennis? Well, the funny thing is I was thinking exactly the same thing yesterday. I, I actually have to go one Mississippi before I press the button because otherwise I watch an ad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you know, if, if you're, that's, that's one thing, you know, and, and so this kind of brings us back to this point. If you're paying attention to your performance, like if you're paying attention to, you know, you know, your physical fitness, you're much more able to do something about it as small changes start to occur. If you're paying attention, you know, without getting, without getting too, too much anxiety about it. If you're paying attention to your reaction time, you know, you're more likely to notice when it, when it's, when it's falling. And that's a, by the way, that's a very clever way to, uh, to, to measure it. I, I also pay attention to when I drop something, you know, am I able to just scoop it up and pick it up before it falls to the ground, you right. know, different things like that. I am always paying attention to that kind of stuff, but you know, paying attention is, is half of the problem, right? And some things you can measure and some things you you just can't easily measure, like neuroplasticity. I mean, you know, that one's a little bit that's kind of indirect. So what what Mark and I did with the, with the, with the brain gauge, the whole thing was, you know, what do people need to know about how well their brain is performing, and can we give them that number? Can we give them that number? Now, you know, a lot of people, you know, there is going to be a lot of people seeing how quickly. They can they can time it, but I literally I, I always go like you know how you can go fast forward the double fast triple fast yeah. I always go triple fast I always go triple fast I still have to give myself a one Mississippi you know so I'm paying attention there but I also happen to know my actual reaction time because I use the brain gauge right and and I happen to know that it's as as low as a healthy athletic person would be because we're measuring it properly and paying attention to it so um, you know. You, 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 yeah, you, it, it's, it's good to do those kinds of tests. It's good to have a general awareness, but it's also really good to have a way to measure it because there are some things you just can't really 
put your finger on indirectly. I'll throw one at you. Blood pressure, mm. right? There's something you need to have a number and you need to be, be paying attention to it. And you can pay attention all you want to, you know, maybe the secondary symptoms of what's going on. But, you know, it's like the silent killer, right? If you're not paying attention, if you're not most measuring. People, most it. people can't tell. They can't tell at all. Most people cannot tell at all. Right? It's not like we're, we're sitting around doing the Valsalva maneuver. Yeah, I can tell, you know, I got some pressure. No, it's not like that at all. It's something you got to measure. And, and, and these brain functional metrics are things, if you really want to be on top of your brain function, these are things you, you have got to measure. And that's, that's what we do at the Brain Gauge. That's what it's all about. We're gonna and, t- and Mark and I are too old. We're too old and too grumpy to, to BS around about it. It's just, it's just the real deal. It's just right at you. We're going we're gonna to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we've got questions and comments that are loading up from the listeners. Um, Carrie Kruger is watching live from Pretoria, South Africa. I promised her a shout-out if she showed up, and I know she's here today. Um, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to pick up with more of this discussion. We'll give the offer again. Also, later in the show, I started using uh, GHK the copper peptide that we talked about on the pep talk the other day. And I'm already noticing some things and I'll share that information uh, with you guys too. So stay tuned. You're watching and listening to superhuman radio. We'll be right back. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device that's gaugeyourbrain.com and shr for 150 dollars off do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid you know the rectangular sugar-filled snacks well guess what legendary foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry this is the first of its kind and honestly these things are amazing they have three to four net carb less than one gram of sugar and nine grams of protein you can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them The only question is, which flavor, strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. Imagine if you had a digital twin, one that you could compare your own health and fitness outcomes to, one that showed you whether or not the things you're doing, food you're eating, or drinks you're drinking are actually working for you or against you. Well, now you can. The first ever advanced epigenetic saliva test that compares 20 million different data points of your DNA to help predict what is aging you faster or keeping you younger is being introduced to my audience at a 70% discount from the normal price. Go to seeds.md slash epigenetic dash test today to learn how to get your own digital twin that will help you take the steps to live longer and stay stronger. Don't wait because this is a limited time offer not available anywhere else once these tests are gone they're gone again go to seeds.md slash epigenetic dash test today to learn more 
Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive. At RenewLifeRx.com. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. Dr. Dennis has a, one of my favorite toys in the whole world. In fact, I have the same exact inversion table. The greatest thing for your spine. Yeah, sorry. I was doing a little bit of, little bit of exercise there, trying to get the blood going. There you go. Yeah, I, I love that for brain health, too. You know, inverting is good for brain health. Very, very good. So um, I was just doing push-ups and stuff, yeah. Good for you. Excellent. Um, okay, so let's move on to another topic, and that is uh, sensory discrimination. This is one of the things that the brain gauge uses to assess uh, brain function. Talk about sensory discrimination right. and why it's important. Okay, so sensory discrimination is a way that we probe brain function. So basically, anytime you want to figure out how something works, this is just a basic engineering approach. You have inputs and outputs. So how do we get those inputs in? Well, the way a lot of the web-based, uh, pro, you know, people type, if you were to go in and do a search for brain function testing, you get a whole bunch of things, and basically they people ask you questions. You would read the questions and answer them. And that's not really specific. So anybody just using their own, their own uh, common knowledge would say, well, how would you take inputs and direct them exactly where you want them to go? And it turns out, what we do is we direct those inputs by delivering very precise stimuli to the skin and we can activate different places in the brain. Now, what is sensory discrimination? That is that that's basically those sensory stimuli that we deliver to the fingers and we activate with specific frequencies and amplitudes, places that are either side by side uh, in the brain and have those places talk to each other. And then the questions that we ask, are really simple. Which of the two stimuli are bigger? That is a sensory discrimination task. Which one came first? Which one lasted longer? So the questions are never very difficult. But the way that we get at brain function is by making the task with the actual stimuli get more complicated. But the questions are always easy. And, you know, as far as the user goes. Now, they may have trouble answering because... Each time you, is like I mentioned, it's like an eye chart. It starts out very easy, and as you progress through the process, it gets a little bit harder. And it should get harder at some point uh, because that's that's where you find your threshold. And that find, tells you basically how well is your brain communicating based on how those different inputs going to different parts of the brain are talking to each other. Interesting. It's important because that's a way to objectively measure brain function. And... Uh, you know, that's, that's basically been the whole name of the game since we started this 15 years ago. 
was what, trying what, to what, come what up with an objective what if you're a laborer and you've developed you know calluses what if you're a guitar player and you've developed calluses on your fingers will that skew uh the value of the information to any degree well, you know, there were traditional sensory testing people for about 50 years before we got into this game. Uh, we're very, very focused on very, very tiny stimuli. Okay. And so the difference between peripheral nervous system and central nervous system is that I don't, uh, the main thing that I care, that we care about is what's going on in the brain. We really don't care about what's going on in the fingertips. So what traditional sensory testing does, and this is tactile testing in particular, what they do is they focus on the minimum stimulus you can feel. So that's usually like in the 5 to 10 micron range. And I know those numbers mean nothing to anyone. But keep in mind, the minimum stimulus that we give in these tests is 200 microns. Mm. So while everybody else was looking at this this difference, they'd say, oh, we're going to study people and we're going to find out that one group of people uh, you know, with one with healthy brain function might measure something at five microns. Somebody else might feel it at six. Okay, so the the noise on that is incredible. I mean, you make one micro a microns. What's what's a micron, Bob? Thickness of your hair? Well, uh, there's there's like seven microns in a red blood cell. That's a, that's a good right. Seven microns across one red blood yeah. cell. Yeah, it's there's many. So there. so really so really unlike cool. unlike a hearing test. Where the vibration is getting lighter and lighter and lighter, you're develop you're, you're delivering a vibration uh, from the device that will absolutely stimulate everybody's fingertips, regardless of what sensitivity issues they have. Absolutely. But right. it's the duration and the uh, uh, it's the duration and the uh, space in between, if you will, or the fingers that right. it's stimulating, mm-hmm. not the amplitude of the vi- right. vi- uh, vibration. Yeah, let me well, let me say that. Go ahead, Bob. Well, but let me say that, uh, that, ahead, that the difference here is that is that we're not testing your threshold sensitivity. We're not testing your nerves in your hand. We're just blowing past those with a, with a plenty big signal, and then the test is how is that signal processed in your brain? So that's what makes it different, right? I'm looking. I thought I had an image. I did have an image. I will get it uh, during the next segment of the device. But it basically looks like a mouse, like a, a computer mouse, and it's got two little orange buttons. It looks like eyes. It looks like the mouse has two eyes, and you just lay your right. fingertips on those two orange buttons, and then you watch the prompts from the monitor and the software, and it walks you through a test. The entire test takes about twenty minutes, but. You can test just for certain things if you want very quickly, correct? Correct. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, you know, I I tested pretty well on everything except this one test. Say the reaction time slow. And say, okay, so they can just do that reaction time test over and over and over. And, uh, you know, that, you know, like every day they might test just reaction time and one other test. Or you basically have a battery of tests. Each test takes a couple of minutes. And you select which of the tests that you want to take. Uh, you can take all of them. We, we recommend all of them for a baseline. And if you want to just, but if it looks like there's just a couple of things that need work, then that's something that you can do is just take those one or two tests to keep it short. So the word neuroplasticity means a lot of things to a lot of people. Many of us, because mm-hmm. the word plastic, plasticity, malleable, um, uh, you know, malleability, 
uh, implies like actual um, construction going on in the brain, if you will. And that may right. actually be what's happening. But when we look at reaction time, first of all, does it give us an indicator of neuroplasticity? And isn't neuroplasticity just getting better and better at a task? Um, not sure I understand the question. Okay. Um, does, does reaction time is reaction time an indicator is is reaction time an indicator of neuroplasticity? If your reaction time no. continues to get better, okay, okay. No, let me give you a definition of plasticity. Uh, there's a lot of different definitions, and it, and these actually vary with what type of neuroscientist you might be. Uh, so I I'm going to violate everybody's uh, definition. Uh, so one thing is plasticity. One reason that you put clothes on, you put clothes on in the morning and you forget about them. You don't feel them right after you put them on is because of habituation. That's sort of a long-term plasticity, uh, or habituation. You put on your shirt, you don't think of twice about it after that. And then there's, but adaptation or plasticity that takes place on milliseconds, seconds, hours, days, weeks. There's all different types and there's many different mechanisms. Uh, and you, but you can, because it's sort of the fractal nature of it, you can measure it at different levels. And we typically measure it on the sub second level between 500 milliseconds and a little longer. And that's how we, we measure how quickly can you adapt to your environment? How quickly, uh, you know, does your brain sort of think, okay, all I care about is change. And that's what we're doing. You adapt to something and then you say, okay, then deliver a change from that and see how well your brain changes or how well you, you, you adapt to that quick, quick fix. Uh, but that's basically the way you're wired is, is to always look for the new things. Um, and so that's what we measure reaction time. Uh, and what does reaction time tell us? It's, you know, it's basically reaction time tells you a lot. One, it tells you a little bit of myelin health and white matter health, mm-hmm. uh, it tells you, you know, about information processing speed. It does tell you about connectivity in general. And it, there's a lot of things that affect reaction time. Uh, and we've written about this. Uh, we have a lot of information about this on our website. But you can read about, uh, you can read papers where people have talked about martial arts and or dark chocolate improving reaction time. Caffeine can re- improve reaction time, and it can also make it worse. Right. And uh, using the reaction time test, you can also measure something called reaction time variability. In other words, when we test, when you get a test for reaction time, you don't do it just once. I mean, in other words, you, we deliver a stimulus and you respond to it. And let's say if you responded to it the exact same way every time, say if each time you responded, your reaction time was 200 milliseconds, you uh, you were 200, 200, 200, 200. You're very, very consistent. That means your action time variability is extremely low. That means your attention level, your ability to focus, is extremely good. So your focus measure would be very good. Now, if your reaction time variability is all over the place, like if first time you tested, you were 220, next time you're 200, next time 180, next time 280, next time 160, but it still averages out about the same, but your reaction time variability, your focus, that means you can't, you're having trouble attending and focusing. And, you know, that's very common with ADHD. ADHD, people have very, very uh, high reaction time variability, even though their reaction time is not that bad. It's usually just their variability is very high. 
So we, we get a lot of information out of each measure. It's not just the one measure, but we look at how people respond as well as what their response is. Dr. Dennis, I want to throw a question directly to you because you're the PEMF guy. So what, what uh, effects do PEMF-type uh, devices have on the brain? Are they good? Are they bad? Does it vary by frequency? Talk about PEMF and the brain. Well, that's sort of like saying what effect does food have on the brain? Is it good? Is it bad? Food. I mean, seriously, food's important, right? <laughs> Do we have too much, too little? It depends on the type and the quantity and the frequency of when you have it, right? I mean, glucose isn't necessarily bad unless you have glucose all the time right. and you've got insulin up all the time, you know. So so it's, it's very much more complex. Saying PEMF is a lot like saying the word chemicals. Yeah. Or food. There's such a variety. So you got to be really specific. Yeah, yeah you got to be really specific. So I put a uh, I put a, uh, a YouTube video up about a year and a half ago, talking about the electromagnetic spectrum. Okay, like where are you on the electromagnetic spectrum? And um, you know, it's even more com- it's way more complicated even than that. Like you know, you could you could say, well, like um, where's the color pink? on the visual spectrum. And it's, it's not really there because it's a combination of different colors. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the color brown. You can't find it on the color spectrum, on the visual spectrum, because there's a combination of things. And so PEMF isn't just some frequency on the spectrum. It's way more complex than that. It's, it's a combinations of frequencies and harmonics and things like this. And so, so you know, um, I, I, I go into this and it takes like, you know, half an hour to just even just to talk about the basics, there are areas in the electromagnetic spectrum that are very, very essential for life. Let's talk about a few of them. Visual range, just to be able to see. Uh, near infrared, infrared. That's a, we have body sensation of heat. We, we, we directly experience that wavelength as heat. Okay, It's an important thing, radiated heat. Uh, part of the electromagnetic spectrum is involved in, in neural transmission and, and the way that excitable tissues work and voltage-gated channels and everything in the body. So there's some electromagnetism that's essential for life. And then there are some that's just harmless, might be beneficial. And then there's some that's really harmful, <laughs> right? Like ionizing radiation. Like, you know, you don't, nobody goes out in some days to get, you know, gamma gamma radiation unless you're Spider-Man or something. Right. So, or, or, or the Hulk, right? I mean, you know, so, so you want to, you want to, you know, you got to be real specific about what you're talking about. Okay. okay so l- let me be more specific. Let's say uh, there's these PEMF devices. I think I shared with you that I've been using the earth pulse unit for <laughs> 14 years now. Um, that are programmable. Yeah. Nine. Uh, I find I get more deep sleep when I'm down around three Hertz um, at about 50% of that magnet's power. And I actually used a electro, a, a um, EMF device. And it's about, it's about 1.5 gauss coming through my, uh, through my mattress. Is that my imagination or is it really influencing sleep? Well, my guess would be it's really real. My guess would be it's really real. But the, here's the thing. Um, as far as I can tell, and I've done the math, okay, if you really want to look at this, um, 
for every known chemical, for every single known chemical species, there are about 200 million different ways to do PEMF. And there's, you know, 8 or 10 or 12 or 20 million known chemical species in the universe. So it's not unreasonable to say that PEMF is about 200 million times more complex than all of chemistry. Okay. So, so the problem is that in medicine, we don't have even the smallest clue what most chemicals do to us in terms of our sleep or our health. Right. Most chemicals have never been tested for safety or, or anything like that. There's only a small number. So it's really hard to say it just, and PEMF has, has enjoyed less than 1% of the research that chemicals have had on health. Way less than 1%, probably one ten thousandth or a hundred thousandth of the amount of research. And yet it's 200 million times more complex than chemistry. So the answer to your question is we don't have any clue. Huh. I mean, that's, that's the real answer. Right. I mean, you know, no so, one, no so, one wants to admit so that because they want to, they want to sell PAMF units. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about how much they know, but when you talk to somebody who really has looked at this and really thought about it, the, the overwhelming thing you get is, gosh, there are a lot of papers on PEMF. We don't really see, if you're using reasonable PEMF at a reasonable intensity, you really don't see any negative side effects. But man, we don't know anything about why it works. We just don't. So if you've got some salesmen, shiny teeth, telling you all about they have some secret science about how PEMF works, your, your red flags should go straight up. The BS flags should go up. And you should be just like, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. He's, just, he's just a marketer. And that's that's, that's well. But what, what you, what, uh, before we take this, this before we take this next break, would you agree that we did evolve under the influences of some type of uh, electromagnetic pulse emanating from the Earth, and it somehow played a role in our evolution? Would you agree with that? I would say that we we have adapted to um, both need and utilize our entire electromagnetic environment. So, so some of that comes from the Earth in the form of heat. Literally, the Earth radiates heat. So there's no doubt whatsoever. I mean, if you're a caveman, you're sleeping in a cave because the cave radiates heat internally. I mean, you, 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 you know, human evolution, probably the evolution of everything on Earth is dependent upon the electromagnetic interaction of the Earth and the sun and everything else. So I think that's beyond question. The thing is, we don't really understand all of that. And we act like, and like we I do. say, some it's just like the microbiome. Yeah, we, we really don't know anything about the microbiome, but there are people out there proposing that this is what you need to do, right. and that's what you need to do. And you know, some of it's good anecdotal evidence. I mean, you know, the thing is that we can say things about PEMF, like, yeah, you know, if you do certain things that are generally, yeah, roughly, you know, spitballing it, roughly right, it can accelerate healing by a factor of two or three. It can reduce inflammation. I've got tests from a third party, GLP, FDA recognized laboratory that that's the result of PEMF when I apply it to, to, to rodents. Anyway, you get vast reductions in, in inflammation. I mean, this is, these are real things. We don't understand why, right. But the whole PEMF world has, 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 uh, has, has bullshitted. If you, if I, you know, yeah, you can using say a technical that. Term, don't worry about so. it. They've bullshitted the consumer into believing that, well, if they can act like they know some science, you know, then maybe we can, we can squeeze them for five or 10,000 bucks. 
And that's what that's all about. The, the, the reality is we do know that some things work. We do know that it doesn't seem to be harmful. We do know that there are great benefits for PEMF. We really don't know why. Yeah. So right now we're still screwing around in the dark, you know, and we're, we're sort of sort of collecting a bag of, of mushrooms, you know, in a dark room. We're like, well, this one looks pretty good, you know. This, you know, and 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 that's where we're at on PEMF. Unfortunately, I wish I wish I could say more. I wish I could say the science. Yeah, is because you spent you how long? Out, how long have you spent not... of your career studying a PEMF? <laughs> well, let me let me tell you. Um, uh, since 1996, I've been working. I had worked with NASA then, in 1996, and that's back when I thought it was BS and and didn't think it really worked, and then. The data tells you otherwise. If you use it in a certain range, a certain way, it works every single time. And it does has effects on gene expression and inflammation, all kinds of things. We just don't know why. But that's true for most medicines. I mean, they tell you what drug effects and they try to tell you why things work. They're still discovering things about why aspirin works. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not that we have a full understanding of these things. So anybody who tries to give you the impression that they've got it all figured out, they're just lying to you. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more. Stay tuned. We have questions. We'll get up here. We'll get everybody's uh, questions answered. Stay tuned. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman Radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive. Productive at RenewLifeRx.com. I love beef. And if you love beef, listen up. I've discovered the best tasting beef in the world, and that's not an exaggeration, at Piedmontese.com. The Piedmontese breed is famous from Italy for being lean and unbelievably tender with half the fat and calories of traditional beef. Even typically tough cuts are tender when it comes from the Piedmontese cows. And for the first time ever, Piedmontese cows are being raised here in the USA. Get two free 10-ounce New York strips when you purchase $50 or more at Piedmontese.com with code SHR. Go to P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E dot com and use code SHR today. You will never eat any other type of beef ever again. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device that's gaugeyourbrain.com and shr for 150 dollars off you've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on shr but you're still on the fence well here's the 
push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there. But it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me. And now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong a try. Go to B-S-T-R-O-N-G.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one dot com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. This is the Superhuman Channel. Evolution just got kicked up a notch. Welcome back. So, Rigo Vargas has a good question. Carl, I had a... Yes, go ahead. Okay. I had one thing I, I, I was doing some, some more push-ups and there's something I kind of need to, to say to get closure if that's okay. I need, I need about one minute. That's all right. Sure. So, um, so you, you were talking earlier about using the TV set to kind of measure your reaction time, right? And, and how you're, you're faster than the average because they do, they study these things and how long does it take a person to press the button and then how far do they need to wind back before they start the videos again, right? And, and that kind of thing is good for, for maintaining your awareness of your, you know, it's, it's a good thing for maintaining your awareness of your reaction time, but it doesn't give you a number and it's very variable. And what Mark Tomerdahl was talking about last time we were on here just, just a few minutes ago was, was reaction time variability, not just your reaction time, but how variable it is. And, a me- and using that variability as a measure of your attention. So let me make a let me make a comment as an engineer nerd. You have got to have a tool that's specifically designed to measure these things. And you cannot just use a cheap online service. You can't even use your basic basically your computer. You can't use what we call commodity grade electronics. And here is why. This is something that everybody needs to know. You can't just get the free online reaction time test thing. Because your your TV set, your remote, and especially your computer and especially your tablet, these devices are not designed to measure your performance. They're actually designed to give you the illusion that you're performing well. Just like you said about how when you press the button and they rewind, that Mm -hmm. gives everybody the illusion that they're responding quickly enough to see the show they want to see. Right. That's built in. So let me tell you, every single thing on your computer is that way. Your mouse, the overhead on your your operating system, on your tablet, the touch screen. This stuff is all built to add in the illusions of performance that aren't there. So you cannot, by definition, you can't use these devices to measure your performance because they're designed to do just the opposite. Right. Like, so like, when, you, like when you get a new iPhone and it tells you tap here, 
it's taking into account yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're off because yeah. it learns how off you are and, and builds that into the correct. That's right. That's right. So these, these things correct for your performance deficits to give you the illusion that they're smooth and that you're performing well. And you can't use these to measure your performance because they're designed to fool you. Okay. So you've got to use a tool that's designed to not fool you, to give you the straight number. And that's what a brain gauge is. And just because it looks like a computer mouse, let me tell you, it doesn't work like one. It's I was trying to get the, I was trying to find inside. the picture. I can't find the picture in it, but it looks like a mouse. It, it really it's does. It's easy to find. You just, you just type in, you know, brain gauge, search that. It looks just like a computer mouse, but it's not. It's got its own very high speed internal computer. It's like a laboratory inside of itself that bypasses, it, it, it just bypasses all of these, uh, things that are built into computers and tablets and, and keyboards and everything that are made, they're designed to deceive you into thinking that it's working smoothly when, when you are not performing well and it's not performing well. But what our device does is it directly measures. Yeah, it's your unforgiving. Your device is so unforgiving. Really, it's unforgiving. It's totally unforgiving. And there's no, there's no, as far as I know right now, there's no substitute. Anything else were you using an online cognitive test or anything like that? You're just you're literally using a machine that is designed to fool you into yeah. believing something that just ain't true. So I just felt like the th two things you guys said needed to tie them together with the reality that 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 if this is something you want to measure, you you got to have the right tool. You can go to gaugeyourbrain.com to see the device too. And while you're there, take advantage of the twenty nine ninety five. Uh, deal. It, it, there's nothing like it on the internet. Well, I want to get Rigo Vargas's question in here. It's about nootropics. He says there's a lot to talk about nootropics. I've read about an anaracetum, mushroom blends, and canatine troches or trochies, depending on what part of the country you're. Is there any cre credence to these biohacks? Do they really work? Have you guys tested any of these with um, with the brain gauge? Uh, some of our some people that have brain gauges have tested them. I, I'm not completely, I'm not familiar with a lot of these, but you know, they, I know they've done some types of mushrooms, uh, but you know, the only way to really tell about all this stuff is, is to test yourself, get a baseline, you know, and maybe the mushrooms help, but maybe too many mushrooms makes you even worse. You just right. don't know. Uh, there, it, and it really depends on where you are. You know, if your brain's at 100%, you want to keep it there. And, you know, taking some kind of nootropic may or may not push you up to 110%, you know, which is really hard to do. But, you know, if you're – the only way to do it is to measure. I mean, you can't emphasize that enough. It's uh, – that's that's a tried and true method that, and, that we've talked to a lot of people who've, who've done stuff. Some people, you know, they, they do their own personal experiments on themselves. This I, is you know, the thing we, that's absolutely true. I'm sorry, good. For any for anything like that, Carl, the answer is test it and see. Right? I mean, we we so we we, we love we love to say that medicine we finally come to the conclusion that medicine is very individual, but somehow supplements aren't. You know, it's like it's yeah, all individual. Yeah, right. yeah. You got to totally, try it. Totally, it may totally. it may work for me, it may not work for you. You have to try it. Things that we do know affect right. the brain. Uh, uh, dietary uh, regimens, you know, high right. carbohydrate diets. Yeah. 
the last comment, the comment before was about GABA Agnes and somebody was using GABA Agnes and said, you know, they prefer something else to that GABA Agnes. And it's like, well, you really don't know. You might feel better taking one thing than another, but how do you really know that anything works unless you measure? You're just, it's just a shot in the dark. Uh, You know, taking different drugs is, you you really need to have some kind of measurement for, for how you do it. I mean, you know, we used to, you know, when I was a competitive swimmer, we used to like keep a journal on how fast we went and what our diet was. You know, that has a huge effect. You know, what was your training regimen? What was your diet? Oh, and we could measure how fast we went. But, you know, if you want to see what the effects of different uh, nootropics or GABA agonists, then, then you really need to measure and to keep a journal, you know, well, the brain gauge does that for you. The brain gauge will actually keep the journal for you. So anyway, yeah, you have to enter the nootropics and stuff you're taking. It keeps a journal of your performance, but you have to enter. There's a place where you can enter information about what you're doing. Right. I mean, you can journal right right on it. So you can see the direct direct, direct effects then. Yeah. 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 Some people are going to have a deficiency that they can correct with a supplement and they might see an improvement. Other people might not have that deficiency and they could take the supplement and they don't get any gain, right? It's totally individual. Okay. Last question. Cause everybody's all crazy about 5g. I, I, I know for a fact that RF affects us. We live in a soup of RF. Um, it, and there's plenty of evidence that it's affecting us on a cellular level. There are studies that show that cilia on cells act like antenna uh, depending on the frequency, that 100 wavelength uh, number seems to, to be adaptable. What do you think about as we go into these higher and higher, you know, uh, 6 gigahertz is next, the, the low side of 5G. 24 to 60 is the high side of 5G. We see studies that show taking a cell phone call uh, within a half hour of bedtime causes a greater degree of a deep sleep latency. Uh, we know that it affects uh, sperm motility. We we know these things. These, what do you think about the brain and all the RF that we live in, De- De- Doctor Dennis? This is your this is your wheelhouse too. Well, you know, once again, I I have to say it's um, it's one of these things that doesn't get studied enough, and a lot of people will run these studies and they'll they'll get a result, and then a lot of it's irreproducible. A lot of times they'll do a study and they'll say, well, there was no no detectable harm. And then the next time the same lab runs the same study doing the same thing, they get the, the different a different result. So so it's there's it's actually very hard to do safety studies. It, in fact, it's impossible to say anything is safe. You can't because you're, you 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 can't test every possible mechanism of harm. So so you know so you have to. Um, you have to weigh the advantages of something like 5G with the potential biological harm. And in my opinion, it's, it's, that it, it's that there has been a lot of industry pressure and money to open up these wavelengths for, you know, for use for communication. And, and, and this is like not a new thing. If you actually go and you look at the bands being used by 5G, a lot of those interleave with the same frequency bands as 4G. It's just a different protocol. Okay, so it's not that the frequency carrier frequencies are necessarily different. It's that it's that it's a different communication protocol that's that's more efficient in some ways. And um, the 
the thing is that it's not been well characterized, the biological safety of these things. And this is really actually nothing new because there used to be a lot of very different frequencies used by the military for communications at very high power levels that nobody ever was even told. And they just became part of our environment. We didn't even know about it. They were secret things, right? And, um, I mean, you know, the Russians were blasting stuff out very high power for a long time. And, you know, there's there's been some harm done by this. Um, my opinion is that, that, it, that it doesn't get nearly enough funding. It doesn't get nearly enough study. And, yeah, there are – I would say there are almost certainly bands in the frequency, in the frequency spectrum that should be not used when they show biological harm. Yeah. When we can when we can show that they're harmful, and they're probably not necessarily the highest frequencies. They may resonate with something. Resonance is kind of a dodgy I was just going to say. You, I remember when, when one time we had to get a a, a, a permit to build a a, a tower, a, actually a transmitter room on Mount Potosi at the eight thousand foot deck for a paging transmitter. And one of the studies yeah. we had to order <clears throat> was a uh, harmonic study. All the yep. frequencies that were up there. Once we added ours, there were, and it was always the odd number, right? It was the three, the third, the fifth, the seventh harmonics. What happens is these frequencies combine through a phenomenon called constructive interference, and they create a residual frequency that there isn't even a transmitter up there for. But because they're all oscillating side right. by side, they create other frequencies. That's right. Yeah. So you get these, uh, you get these things that are all beat frequencies, and when two frequencies are very close together, they'll be like. Whoa, 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 Hetrodyne. Whoa, they like make that, that heterodyne. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's how right. that's, that's exactly how your that's right. how your uh, radar detector works. When they used to use when they yep. I think they still do, but when that radar frequency hit, it was called a super het, a super heterodyne because there were frequencies right. in there that when yours hit it, when the radar detector hit it, it made the sound like a cat squeak. And it was like, oh, radar yep, detector. Exactly. So this stuff is all it's it's it is all rocket science. It's all pretty complicated math and everything. But it, it just the biology of these electromagnetic fields, is, in my opinion, has not been thoroughly uh, studied. Mm-hmm. Studied, you know. So, so I think the the answer is, yeah, we ought to we ought to we ought to put the brakes on some of these things and, and study them more carefully. And we're going to find that there, there are some harmonics that we need to avoid. You know, some some frequencies and resonances. I have a, I have a theory. I have a theory, Doctor Dennis. You ready for it? The higher metal, ready. the higher your metal deposition on a cellular level, higher iron deposition, higher copper deposition, the more you are an antenna, the more you interact with these things. Possibly well, harm could be in that. That might be the missing variable that no one's. That's why they get different results, different things. I can tell you. I can actually tell you. I've, I, you know, I did some research for a company in. Uh, in the area, long story short, they were looking for iron nanoparticles. So these are much bigger than just ionic iron or something right. that you did you an actual nanoparticle that was like you know submicron in size, but they could put them inside of a of a, oh. a platelets and then use those platelets as a magic bullet. And my job was to find the resonances at which I could put, and it was basically microwave radiation level you know right. a couple gigahertz right. so we're already in there and you could use that and man it would it would it would cook so it would the idea was that these nanoparticles could be basically adhered to the side of a uh, tumor cell 
like a magic bullet with these with these uh, with these uh, uh, treated uh, and they would basically they basically you just heat them up. You yeah. just bas- you heat them up with a microwave, low level microwave radiation, and heat up the tissue. And boy, I'll tell you, I did some experiments that resulted in some fairly impressive uh, pyrotechnics. So you know they, they can yeah they can they can pick up energy and resonate, but it's it's a very complicated thing. Um, you know, and most of the time it doesn't work, but when it does work, yeah, you can, you can, uh, oftentimes what will happen is that that energy will get absorbed by like a little, like a nano or sub nano particle, and then it'll be re-radiated through uh, what's called neural relaxation, it's all electromagnetism, and that re-radiates sort of as heat and different things that are less damaging to the body. But then again, you know, focal heat can be very damaging. That's yeah. what we're trying to use to kill too. So, so Dr. Right? Tomadol, let's wrap so, the show up with it with this here. Scott Lola has a question. He tuned in late. So let's summarize. Okay. What exactly does the brain gauge measure? All right. Okay. So in the easiest way to think about it is that the, we'll start with the overall score that you get from the brain gauge, which is a co- combination of a number of tests is, is somewhat analogous to blood pressure. I mean, it tells you basically how well the brain is doing. Now, how does it get that? It does that with through specific measures. One gives you something about like information processing speed, another and attention or focus. Uh, another thing it measures is accuracy. That is how well does the brain contrast enhance inputs. In other words, you get inputs to the brain, and the brain will actually process those inputs and look at how like how well it can differentiate between two things. So, you know, if you had if you're of the age where you had a contrast knob on the television set and you could turn that contrast knob and see things sharpen up, that's what your brain does with information that it gets. So how well does it measure that? Another part is connectivity. How well are different parts of the brain connecting? And one part that we look at is the frontal parietal cortex. You know, how well is the, are the frontal lobes working? Another is how well is the cerebellum doing? So that's a little, really more, more like a coordination measure. Cerebellum does a lot of things looking at, you know, how, and coordinating timing between different areas like sensory motor uh, cortex and, and vestibular cortex. So, it, you know, it does a lot of things there. Uh, but basically, it, it takes different mechanisms of information processing, things that we've been working on since, you know, the 1980s, 1990s. And looks at those and extracted measures for those and compiles them in something in a, in a very comprehensive overall brain health score. So there you go. And you can get one for twenty nine ninety five, And it doesn't get better than that. This, this device does the same things that hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of lab equipment does. But you do it at your kitchen table or in your living room, wherever you want. You can test everything. You can test how well you slept. You can test whether or not meditation is working for you. You can test your nootropics and save bundle of money of buying things that don't really work for you. You can test your brain for the first time. Right. One, with precision. one other thing that we did, we should have probably brought up before. We actually looked at PMF, uh, pulse electromagnetic field on TBI subjects and had a very positive effect. And that's written up and will be in our, some of that's actually in our journal, journal of science and medicine. So anyway, um, just wanted to slip that one in. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> yeah, we, we have a. We, if you're just a basic well, we aging have a person, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a little latency. Between I was just going to say, if people have, if people have more, a little bit more technical questions, they can check our journal, which is J O S A M. 
journalofscienceandmedicine.org, and we go into technical detail on, on these things at, at great length. And, and I, you know, regardless of who you are, if you're a mom at home and you think that you've got an autoimmune disorder, you want to make sure that your brain is functioning and you could use your brain function as a guide to resolving some of your problems, autoimmune disorders, whatever. Um, you know, you can't, your brain can't tell what it, what it wants and what it doesn't want. You just start to notice symptoms. So this is the way to guide your brain to better health. By measuring it. There's never been anything like this before ever, anywhere, where you could precisely measure your brain function at home on a multiple on multiple levels and keep track of it and look at the things you do and look at how they affect your brain. It's wonderful. Everybody should have one. And $29.95, come on. You buy you buy you buy a supplement every month for thirty dollars that doesn't do anything for you, and you'll find that out when you get the brain gauge and you test your brain. So that's right. Yeah, find the one supplement that's not working for you, pitch it out, and that'll pay for your brain. There, gauge. There's your brain gauge money. There, there it is. So you're not spending extra money; you're saving money. There you go. So go to the website gaugeyourbrain.com and pick up your brain gauge for twenty nine ninety five. No contract. Uh, cancel whenever you want, and it doesn't get any better than that. And that's exclusively for my audience. I want to thank you guys for being here today. It's been fun. I'd love to Hope come and visit. Works. I'd love to come and visit your lab, Doctor Dennis. It looks like someplace I used to work. So. Oh, really? Because it's kind of modeled after the artificial intelligence lab at MIT. I used to have a lab there, and it's kind of just a big mess. Looks yeah. like somebody let off yeah. a bomb with a bunch of resistors. Lots, and lots stuff. of O So yeah, you're welcome. If you're ever in. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's filled with that kind of stuff. So if you're ever in Central North Carolina, just give us a ring, and we'll uh, give you a tour of the lab. Real quick, real quick, can you ship outside the country? I don't know. What's the deal if somebody wants to get this from yeah. another country? We ship outside the country. Yeah, we ship anywhere. Okay, so there you go, Ivo. Yeah. Ivo lives outside the United we States. We have the whole world, so that's not an issue. And Ivo yeah. is a master biohacker. And I'm very jealous of his lifestyle, just for the record. Uh, but he is going to uh, probably love this unit, and I'm sure I'll get feedback uh, from him on that. All right, guys, thanks so much. We're going to take one quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about my experiment with glycine and my experiment with the new peptide GHKCU. Stay tuned, and I will see you on the other side of this commercial break. How do you like that? A little humor. We'll be right back. I love beef. And if you love beef, listen up. I've discovered the best tasting beef in the world, and that's not an exaggeration, at Piedmontese.com. The Piedmontese breed is famous from Italy for being lean and unbelievably tender with half the fat and calories of traditional beef. Even typically tough cuts are tender when it comes from the Piedmontese cows. And for the first time ever, Piedmontese cows are being raised here in the USA. Get two free 10-ounce New York strips when you purchase $50 or more at Piedmontese.com with code SHR. Go to P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E dot com and use code SHR today. You will never eat any other type of beef ever again. Imagine if you had a digital twin, one that you could compare your own health and fitness outcomes to, one that showed you whether or not the things you're doing, food you're eating, or drinks you're drinking are actually working for you or against you. Well, now you can. 
the first ever advanced epigenetic saliva test that compares 20 million different data points of your DNA to help predict what is aging you faster or keeping you younger is being introduced to my audience at a 70% discount from the normal price. Go to seeds.md slash epigenetic dash test today to learn how to get your own digital twin that will help you take the steps to live longer and stay stronger. Don't wait because this is a limited time offer not available anywhere else. Once these tests are gone, they're gone. Again, go to seeds.md slash epigenetic dash test today to learn more. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Cansee eye drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than Cansee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legend Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at EatLegendary.com and Amazon. Spit that out right now. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. So if you've been listening to my show for any length of time, you've heard me say the good thing about some of some supplements is that they work. The bad thing about some supplements, those same supplements, is they work. And I learned a lesson. So I've been preaching to people to use glycine before bed for, I don't know, maybe six, seven years, maybe longer. And I've always said three grams, three grams of glycine at bed, three grams of glycine at bed, no more. You don't need more than that. But recently, I have been taking high doses of glycine. And my logic was, I eat a lot of muscle meat, high in methionine. We know that glycine blunts the aging effects of methionine. So I figured, well, I eat, you know, on, a, on an average day, I eat 300 grams of protein. A pound of beef, a pound of turkey, a pound, you know. And I'm doing real carnivore right now. I'm doing strict carnivore. And so I thought, well, I got to up my glycine. I upped my glycine about maybe a month and a half ago. I started taking probably 15, like I was measuring 10 grams in the beginning, and then I just got sloppy, and I just started pouring it in the bottom of the cup. And uh, I put a little uh, magnesium citrate powder in there. It has a, a nice lemony fizz taste. It's a great drink. I take it right before bed. 
I fall asleep easy. I sleep all night. But I started noticing something about a month and a half ago. When I would wake up in the middle of the night, I usually wake up once a night to go pee. When I was waking up in the middle of the night, the room was spinning. It's like, what's this about? And when I got up to go to the bathroom, I was like really wobbly. What's this? Uh-oh, my brain is aging. And I really thought it was multiple sclerosis. In fact, I'm still going to have uh, a brain scan uh, in the next couple of weeks just to make sure I don't have any lesions on my brain. But I started looking at and connecting the dots of everything I do. I'm like, man, I'm off balance in the morning. I just bought a motorcycle. Like, I don't want to be off balance and start riding a motorcycle after 40 years because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself. And so I took this very seriously. And like a good biohacker, I started looking at everything I did, everything. And little by little, I just started taking stuff out of the equation. But I kept using high doses of glycine, probably 15, 20, even 25 grams in one shot before bed. And then, of course, three grams, three milligrams of melatonin, a little uh, alpha-ketoglutarate for the uh, arginine, alpha-ketoglutarate, more for the alpha-ketoglutarate than the arginine because of its anti-aging effects, and my magnesium uh, powder. I started thinking about it. I kept taking things out of the equation, kept taking things out of the equation, and all of a sudden, I thought, man, I take more uh, uh, glycine now than I've ever done before. I wonder if it could be that. So I just started looking at the research on, on glycine. Well, glycine profoundly increases GABA, profoundly. In fact, glycine, gram for gram, produces more GABA in the brain than just taking GABA. And some of the symptoms of high GABA are loss of balance. And I complained. I used to say, I wake up in the morning, my brain just feels tired. It's literally, I would say, my brain feels tired. I feel like my brain is exhausted. My body's ready to go, but my brain is exhausted. So a couple nights ago, I stopped taking any glycine. And sure enough, my balance is coming back. It's going to take a week probably because of the bioaccumulation effect. But my balance is coming back. And I feel better and I'm waking up feeling refreshed and I'm thinking, we take it for granted. All of us out, you know, look, man, I've been abusing drugs since I was a kid. The drugs changed, but my abusive behavior hasn't changed. Uh, The drugs used to be recreational drugs. Uh, You name it. I took it. The only thing I never did was inject heroin, but I snorted a lot. I snorted a lot of Mexican brown heroin. And so... Fast forward to now, now my addiction is with my supplements, and I overdo them just like an addict does. I cut the glycine out. My balance is back. I'm, I'm sharp again. I don't need caffeine in the morning to wake up. I feel great. So lesson, I've been telling people only take three grams before bed, but I did not, uh, I did not follow my own advice, which is typical of people like me. I'll tell you what to do, but I'm not doing it. I'm doing my own thing. So now I've cut glycine out, and I will introduce glycine back in maybe in four or five months. I'm sleeping good right now, so I don't feel any need for it. But I may introduce it again, but I'm only going to take my own advice, and I'm never going to use more than three grams. So there you go. That's a lesson learned I want to share with you. Now, I started using GHKCU, 
yesterday. I got two pictures of the vial up there. It's from Peptide Sciences. If you use the code SHR, you'll get 10% off. So most of you know that I have been suffering with some autoimmune disorders, and that's why I've gone strict carnivore. I want to get rid of it. And the reality is that after doing the show with Dr. Yurt the other day and talking about GHKCU and then starting to read the studies, I realized, holy crap, like the science is amazing on this. The science is amazing on this. And the science has been reproduced by other labs. You want the copper bonded, the copper chelated GHK because they they compared supplemental copper and taking GHK with copper and they found out that even if the GHK leaches copper from the albumin, which is what it does, using the chelated form has a greater effect on DNA uh, modifications that are great. I mean, this peptide affects so many genes, turning bad ones off and good ones on. So one of the supposed effects of GHKCU is pain relief. I live with terrible pain in my legs, lower legs, my feet, my glutes, and it's a burning sensation. It's almost like I ran 100 miles and ended up with lactic acid buildup in my muscles. My sister suffered from it too. They misdiagnosed her as having Parkinson's disease, and she was already crippled at my age. So I know I'm doing better. And once I start training again, when I train, it doesn't bother me at all. It goes away. But I haven't trained in two months, so it's really gotten vicious. I took two and a half milligrams of uh, GHKCU last night at 6 p.m. after my last meal. And within a half hour, I felt the pain go away in my lower body, like that fast. So I thought it was a fluke. So I did it again this morning. So this morning, I got up. Jumped in the shower, got out of the shower, gave myself a shot. Literally, the pain that I was walking around with, like in a half hour, it just gets dulled. Plus, I felt relaxed. I felt, um, I felt um, like I was in the zone. Is all I can say. I felt good. Like I was driving to work. Somebody at the uh, at the grocery store I ran into. We talked for a little while. I was just like feeling great. And I keep thinking it's that. I'm going to be doing five milligrams a day. So I'm doing two and a half milligrams in the morning, and I'm going to do two and a half milligrams later in the day. Um, I get plenty of zinc in my diet. I don't need to supplement with zinc. Scott Lawler said, um, be sure to supplement with zinc. I, I'm going to eat a pound of beef. I eat a pound of beef every day. I've already eaten a pound of ham today. I'll be eating a pound of turkey after the show. I get so much zinc in my diet. So much zinc in my diet, uh, and I get a lot of copper in my diet. So I'm not. I'm, this is. I'm not looking for this to increase copper, and that's what the research shows. Even in the face of adequate copper levels, this peptide bound to copper is magic. Is magic. It's much better than just the GHK by itself. And I'll be posting some studies in the next couple of days as I dig through them that I think of a great value. But look at the pretty color. Look at the pretty color. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful sapphire blue. So what I did was I took this 50 milligram GHK and I added two milliliters of uh, bacteriostatic sodium chloride solution. 
And so every 10 units is two and a half milligrams. And I will be doing five milligrams a day moving forward. And I'll see if it actually uh, continues to work at that dose. And then I'll probably cut back to two and a half. GHK also interesting for its increasing in decorin, okay, uh, which inhibits myostatin. And that's not why I'm saying, when you look at, Scott, when you look at the research on this peptide, it almost seems too good to be true, but there's such a body of work on it. I mean, it's just amazing the number of people that have studied it and seen the benefits of it, that it's, it, it, you go to yourself, holy crap, like this could actually be the one peptide that everybody should be using. It's just, it's just, it's, it's pleiotropic when, when you can accurately use the word pleiotropic when describing the benefits of this peptide, really. But so, yeah, so I'll keep everybody posted on uh, what I'm noticing from it, but uh, I'm excited uh, how I feel already uh, after using it just to, uh, this is my second day. You know, technically I, my first shot was yesterday at 6 PM. I had a shot this morning at 7 AM. I'll have another shot when I get home. I'm very excited about this. And don't forget, it has effects on autoimmunity. They get, people with multiple sclerosis see great benefits from using it. Yeah, I have one gram coming. It's underrated compound. Yeah, you're right. Is yours the copper chelated or is it just GHK? Uh, um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. And then uh, I, did I see... Uh, let's see. So he, uh, another thing that Scott Lola contributes is the average person needs 15 grams a day. Body can make its own. He's talking about the, uh, the glycine. I was overdoing it. I use it as a sweetener in drinks. I use it as a sweetener when I, before I went full on carnivore, I was using it as a sweetener in my oatmeal in the morning. I was probably easily getting 30 grams a day ongoing for the past month and a half, you know, but hey, Scott McNally was watching. I just saw this, my pal. Those of you who know Scott McNally, uh, he is the uh, guy behind the Get Big Network, and he does some amazing bodybuilding shows. Uh, great guy. I got to hang out with him, not this past year, but the year before at the, uh, the Arnold. Great guy. Hardworking guy. Brilliant guy. Yeah, he said proper GHKCU. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm really I, – I hope you message me after using it for a week and tell me what you think of it. I, I have – I got to tell you, this isn't placebo. The pain – in my legs, gone is not a placebo. I can't imagine that away. I never have. So, hey, he's still here. I thought maybe he just popped in. Nice to see you. Thank you so much, brother. All right, so look, that's all I've got to report today. I'll keep every up to, uh, everybody up to date about my experiment with uh, GHK. Again, if you want to get some, you can go to uh, peptidesciences.com. If you use the code SHR, uh, you'll save uh, 10% off your order. Uh, show them some love. They're good people. They have high-quality peptides, and they ship pretty much anywhere in the world. I hear people in Australia going, well, I can't get this in Australia. Yeah, you can. Go to peptidesciences.com. Check it out. All right, so that's it for today. We'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Please share the show. Uh, help us get more people uh, involved in taking care of themselves. Here, wait. Ivo Sue says, when you don't, Weight glycine, it's easy to overdo because it looks so little by weight a lot. Yeah, you're right, because it's like sugar. It's like sugar crystals. 
It's like sugar crystals. I don't even think a level teaspoon, I think a level teaspoon is more than five grams. So I'm telling you, I was getting stupid amounts every single day. Stupid amounts. And it, boy, it, it killed my brain. I mean, I thought I had something wrong with me. I, I, I asked Dr. Yurth uh, to help me out and order a uh, Tesla 3 brain scan because I was worried I had uh, full-blown MS. But now it's gone away since I stopped the, the glycine. I'm going to give it another week to clear out of my system. All right, look. Thank you for being here. Thank you for participating. Please share the show. We'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Radio.